Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall, and it's Super Bowl week in America. And soon I'll be joined by three beer enthusiasts and professionals from Philadelphia, Kansas City, and Phoenix to talk about food, travel, and local pints. And we're going to get into it all in just a moment. But first, please go visit allaboutbeer.com for original articles, reviews, news, insights, and podcasts. You can listen to shows like Beer Travelers, Brewer to Brewer, and the All About Beer podcast by simply searching All About Beer wherever you listen to shows. This show and all of the work we do is supported by you. You can visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to help keep the content fresh. A few bucks goes a long way to fund writers, photographers, creators, and editors. And if you'd like to learn more about advertising on this show, you can please email info at allaboutbeer.com. Reminder, if you are a smoked beer fan, and of course you are, go check out This Week in Rauk Beer. You can search the Facebook group or follow on Instagram and Twitter at TWRaukBeer. There's a lot of focus on football this week, as the Super Bowl is coming up on Sunday. And to get excited about the game and the cities involved, I've asked three of the leading beer experts from Philly, Kansas City, and Phoenix slash Glendale to come on the show. An 18-year veteran of the craft brewing industry, Jeremy Danner is the digital marketing manager and brand ambassador for Four Hands Brewing Company. Prior to his current position, Danner worked in the brewing, cellar, packaging, management, and marketing roles at 75th Street Brewery, the Power Plant Restaurant and Brewery, and Boulevard Brewing Company. He's contributed to brewing, research and development, branding, marketing, and media, helping breweries connect to consumers through his love of craft beer. He's also got a half-decent Twitter follow. Rob Fulmer is the executive director of the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild. And Brian Colasar is a reporter and author based in Pennsylvania. He's the founder of the Brew Lounge blog, the author of the Beer Lovers Mid-Atlantic, and has worked for both the Mid-Atlantic Brewing News and the Ale Street News. All of them joined me via Zoom. This is always a, a time of year when people are focused on the game and the, the the teams involved, but I think it's a great chance to sort of talk about the cities uh, behind both where the game is being played and the the two teams that are that are in it. And I, I wonder if each of you can sort of tell me a little bit about what you see the beer scene like right now in early 2023 um, in your particular cities. And, and Brian, I'll start with you. Thanks. Wow. Um, a lot different than when I first got into the scene back in the uh, back in the 90s and started writing about it. And 2005, I guess it was for a while. I think it, within the city proper, we had five brewing establishments. And now, by a semi educated rough count, we're somewhere in the ballpark of 30 within the semi city limits. Uh, we long hung our hat in Philadelphia on being a, a great neighborhood uh, beer bar culture. Yeah, I was going to say. And that's been well and good. And I, it's still alive. It's still good. Maybe not as great as it used to be for a lot of the same reasons that, you know, people on your show have talked about before, or a lot of, a lot of us, not just in Philly, but around the country have experienced. Uh, there's a, uh, there's a culture I think that was really 
pushed for many years by Philly Beer Week, which was a great uh, uniter of uh, breweries and beer bars and 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 consumers and enthusiasts. Uh, you know, the pandemic set in, so as we all know, there too, um, the last two to three years has thrown a big curveball that I think we're still trying to figure out how we're uh, how we're coming out of that. Yeah, I want to talk about beer weeks and events and uh, things as, as as we get a little bit deeper into it. But uh, Danner, from your perspective, what is the Kansas City beer scene like right now? And so if you go back to 2005, when I started working at, at breweries, my first brewery job was at uh, 75th Street Brewery. It was a little seven barrel brew pub in, in the Waldo neighborhood. And really, I think there were like two breweries in the Kansas City area that had beer on shelves. It was uh, like Boulevard and like... Um, Oh, Pony Express for a while. And then now I think we're over, we're approaching 40 breweries in the, in the Kansas city area. And I think, you know, everyone's opening this, that's the same type of brewery, but the similar business model, to what you're seeing around the country, no one's opening a brewery saying I'm going to be in 45 States in 10 years. You know, they're saying I'm going to make enough beer to sustain this business in this neighborhood. And it, it's really cool. We have some, some really awesome breweries. And then some of the breweries that opened up early on, kind of in the middle of that wave of, of Kansas city, um, you know, seeing more breweries open up have really improved and stepped up their game. But for the most part, all the breweries that have opened in the past couple of years have come out of the gate strong, making really awesome beers. Rob, how is it? So I, I need a little bit of geographical clarification because people <laughs> talk about Phoenix, but the game is in Glendale. Yeah. Which I understand is like a suburb of Phoenix. But like I don't, I don't fully understand how the yeah. geography works, or well, the, you know what sort of tax dodge uh, this accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the geography of of Phoenix, uh, the metro area, is basically a sheet of paper. Uh, there are not a lot of natural boundaries in um, Phoenix. The 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 people say they're from the valley generally, and that comprises a hundred miles by one hundred miles. <laughs> Uh, okay. we, we the city of Phoenix has the same uh, square footage, square miles mileage as Los Angeles, and we have the population exceeding Philadelphia right now. Um, and we have uh, uh, we're the fifth largest county in the country. So it's it's a it's the, the nice thing to say about our breweries is that they are defining these neighborhoods because they're literally it's it's seamless going between. Uh, Mesa, Scottsdale, Phoenix, Tempe, Chandler, Gilbert, Glendale, Mesa. Uh, those are those were uh, you know it's, it's really hard to distinguish when you left a city and, and you've entered a city. So that's the challenge. Um, I think our breweries are meeting that challenge. Uh, we have you know I almost have to talk about the entire state sometimes because someone says, "Hey, I'm in Phoenix," and then they're up in Anthem, and I'm like, "Well, that's almost a Flagstaff." I mean, for me. Um, to cross town. So, uh, you know, and, and, and then you're only a hop step and a jump from Sedona. Um, I, you know, we, we have about a hundred businesses that run breweries here in Arizona, 140 locations and about 65 to 70% of them are in the Metro Valley. So primarily tap room breweries now, uh, yeah, there's a few brew pubs. Uh, we have the ability to, to, stack licenses so we can be restaurants or we can be more uh bars if, if they want to be so um we have we have a lot of different ways that you can call yourself a brewery here 
How have you seen, I, I like that of, of breweries helping define neighborhoods. Is, is there something that you can sort of point to, to, to illustrate that? Um, right now, the, the, the coolest place to be uh, in the Valley seems to be Mesa. And Mesa is traditionally uh, Mormon. Uh, and there was, uh, they have a, they have an avenue that uh, was largely untouched when, when we develop things here in, in, in this part of the world, we just flatten it to the ground and start over. Um, I mean, it's real, Phoenix is literally what we do. <laughs> Unfortunately, they takes out a lot of buildings with character. Well, Mesa didn't do that. And they kind of shut out alcohol for quite a while. Uh, over the years, we've actually forged some alliances with uh, um, some of the uh, Mormon leaders and, and they like small business. They like small business community. And that's what we represent. So we've got a number of breweries opening or open in Mesa and, uh, you know, some restaurants fill in. It's walkable, even for Arizona, which is remarkable. Uh, it's off the light rail. So those are the things that happen when a couple breweries attract a restaurant or two, or they add on to the, the, the allure of, of some of the smaller restaurants. And uh, I would say that's, that's an example. Uh, Gilbert's another example. How so? Uh, well, <laughs> they're the new money Mormons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and <laughs> they, uh, uh, they've attracted a lot of chain business and um, uh, there's quite a bit more investment in that. That That's uh, like right now you could compare that to Scottsdale. Uh, if you're familiar with, with nightlife here in Arizona, Scottsdale was the traditional leader. Uh, Gilbert's kind of pulling through. It's a little bit, excuse a little older, uh, but you know, uh, that's where all the new development is. Danner, I, I've been thinking about how, you know, what, what Rob was just saying of, of, of some of the growth that's been happening and certainly Kansas city's gone through growth in the last 20 or so years, um, uh, as, as far as like a metropolitan statistical area. Um, has, and, and you mentioned the beer sort of grown along with that, but uh, has there been any, from, from your standpoint, um, you know, tangible impact that the beer industry has had on the larger city? You know, I think, you know, kind of touching on the, the idea of the, the beer bar culture and um, I, I think beer bars still have their place, but um, in, in Kansas City, especially, I, I'd say, you know, and, and I don't mean any disrespect to the, the town that I live in and love, but I think you have to be honest. I think beer wise, we're probably, you know, five to 10 years behind cities like um, San Diego or St. Louis or Chicago or whatever. And for the longest time, if you wanted to get good beer, you had to go to a beer bar. You had to go to a bar that, that focused on beer. But now with breweries really opening up and, and trying to focus on their neighborhood, every bar, you know, not, not to say that they're competing with the breweries, because I think breweries and beer bars offer a totally different thing. Uh, but but all bars have have good beer. But I think if you look at the growth of the city, I, I you know, as a baseball fan, I just have to horn it in. I feel like... <laughs> if you, <laughs> Oh, speaking of baseball, nobody said anything about baseball. Um, but, but but if you look at if you look at the growth How about recently, the Royals, yeah, yeah, I mean, like more like the the past nine or ten years, I think when Kansas City was on the national stage during the two World Series runs in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen, a lot of people came in from out of town, and and Kansas City is not a huge metro area. I think we're around three million for the the entire area, but it, it really is this small town where everyone kind of knows everyone, and it was interesting to see people come in from out of town and realize what we sort of quietly knew that Kansas city was cool. And it's, it's been a shift where like, um, you know, when people would come to town, you know, before then, Hey, Kansas city's great. 
You're like, oh my God, thank you. But now we can say, you know, thank you in a way that says, we know, we, we know it's great. And it, it's good to, to be receiving this national attention. And it, it's all sort of, you know, grown that way. It, the past 20 years for sure, but then the revitalization of downtown, uh, the idea of, again, baseball stadium going down there. There's just, there's a lot happening in Kansas City right now. How difficult is it for you to be on a, a football related show when all you want to do is talk about <laughs> baseball? I have absolutely no problem ignoring the main topic and talking about baseball. So it's not, it's not difficult for me at all. (laughs) I'll point out that we're recording this over zoom and Brian's avatar is a a picture of him. I imagine as a much younger man uh, holding a Philadelphia Eagles um, uh, uh, pendant there. So I, I, I imagine you've been a long time fan, Brian, and that this weekend is, meaningful for you it is and it may have been more comical to put a side-by-side of a then and now me (laughs) there because a little bit less hair uh still you know probably have that pendant somewhere but uh yeah we did uh we did go through a long long dry spell of of uh championships in any of our major sports here in philadelphia and yeah that's a whole show in and of itself, I'm sure. Uh, to talk about the curse of William Penn and, and and our long struggles here in 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 Philadelphia, and and talk about what makes us uh, angry if you think we're angry. <laughs> uh, but we did win well, five I mean, years judging, ago. Judging is, by the way that your fans usually stack the uh, the stadiums, yes, there's maybe not anger, but there's there's certainly issues. There's a there's a lot of passion. Let's let's just say. Sure. It's uh, the, it's 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 not even a joke, but the old line of um, uh, what do Boston fans and New York fans uh, always agree on? It's that uh, fans from Philly are the worst. Oh, I thought we in New York said that about Boston. <laughs> no, 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 no. New York and Boston are well aligned these days. You know, yeah. we've never thrown batteries at Santa Claus. Oh, wow. So you, you got the over on that because uh, I had yet six minutes or less before Santa Claus was brought up. It's uh, <laughs> it's you know, it's hard. It's hard not to. Um, but I want to get back to um, uh, beer bars, though, because certainly some of the great beer bars in America um started in philly and uh you know a lot of them still exist i'm I'm thinking of monks uh in particular um but philly by and large was always a yingling town and you know the whole state but you know it was reliable that you know every bar uh you could go and get a get a pint of lager um and when danner's talking about you know uh bars having craft and bars uh appealing to local has that been able to has that happened in philly or is it still oasises among you know a, a lot of more you know generic taps i'm sorry was the question about yingling is still a yeah yeah or just you know like how is the beer bar scene overall is it still just oh like a few oasis for you know good spots like monks and, and a handful of others um or has the city has the city's bar scene embraced the, the you know the, the the local craft options or oh, regional sure. craft oh, options oh, yeah for sure i attracted the uh uh the the local uh uh, uh, beer enthusiasts as well. Um, it was interesting uh, preparing for this. I, I started going through, you know, years of thinking about, and I started off talking about some of the 
you know, small number of breweries that existed, you know, 20, 30 years ago within the city limits and, you know, and, and those that have come and gone over the years where we're at now, but also looked at it from a beer bar perspective as well. Um, and knowing that just in the last couple of years, we've lost uh, between five and 10, you know, pretty darn good beer bars. I still made a list of around a couple dozen, um, more or less within the core of the city um, where uh, they, they've survived, they're doing well. And, and, and each of them almost has their own uh, identifiable theme, you know, whether it's, you know, monks for a primarily, uh, you know, uh, you know, Belgian angle to their offerings, Brauhaus Schmitz for uh, German, Fergie's for a UK experience, Standard Tap for uh, local, and Johnny oh, yeah. Brando's for local focused uh, tap lists. So, um, yeah, I think the beer bar uh, culture and vibe is is still there. And I think like was being said before that uh, they're coexisting pretty well with the uh, the local brewing scene. Rob, I, I, I've been thinking about the way that these games uh, usually are televised and uh, in between the the endless commercials uh, that are supposed to elicit all sorts of emotions in us and uh, spur on our, our, our buying power. Um, there's usually a lot of beauty shots from in and around uh, the city, uh, the state. And I often find myself when I'm watching some of these being like, Oh, I, you know, I should go check out that city. I should, I, I, I should go back. Um, beer aside, when people are watching uh, the game, if they're watching the game, uh, and they're seeing all of these vistas from throughout uh, your great state. Why would you encourage them to come visit afterwards? And where would you want them to go and visit aside from the pretty well-known cavernous spots? Um, well, uh, first of all, I would say uh, you're correct in, in that where I live, which is in Tempe, which is 20 minutes from downtown Phoenix, um, I can drive an hour and a half and be in complete and utter wild spaces uh, where I could probably die, uh, but it would be remarkably beautiful and they would have a hard time finding me. Um, that is kind of the appeal is we can get out of the city and we can get up to Flagstaff and be in snow. Uh, we have two seasons in this state almost year round because of the elevation on some of our northern plateau and southern areas where we have uh, viticultural areas, uh, recognized uh, areas. Uh, but the first thing I'd say is if you primarily, if you line in Phoenix, you, you're, you know, there's a couple breweries in the airport. Um, you're, you're within 15 minutes of a pint outside of the airport uh, at, at surrounding breweries like Ren House, which you have been to, John. Yep, with you. Um, yes, uh, they won the GABF for Spellbinder. They won a Fest Beer Award uh, not too long ago at uh, World Beer Cup. Um, they're they're within 15 minutes of the airport maybe 10 i mean literally getting out of your seat uh we've got uh, walter station which is in a 1970s uh firehouse uh, i know the firehouse beer thing is kind of played out but they 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 treat it uh with a historical angle um that's you know, a fun group that's literally across the street from the tarmac yeah 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 and uh we've got phoenix beer co which uh, it, you know, has its roots with uh, George Hancock, the former owner of, 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 of Pyramid. Um, he opened it as Phoenix Ale Brewery. It's, it's got a new ownership and, and they've kind of retooled some things. So, I mean, that's right within the airport. 
And then you're probably going to, you know, glom off into different areas, depending on um, primarily people come out here to visit their relatives. And so they're either out in Chandler or they're out and out, out and about. <laughs> hey, grandma. Yeah. You know, so, so it, it, it is, uh, I would tell people um, this is a, um, this is a no tolerance DUI state. And so you will spend a lot of money on Ubers and you will be bumming rides off people. It's, it's no joke. We don't have the, uh, we don't have the Sheriff Joe tent prison anymore, but um, it's the laws are the same. Um, so, and if you, if you go, if you're going to the game or if you watch the game, uh, there's, there's stuff around uh, the stadium, Glendale, there's uh, throne brewing companies around the uh, um, uh, state farm uh, Coliseum there. And uh, they have a brewer, uh, Brad Williams, who uh, I have to mention, um, he used to work for another brewery and we had the Brewers Association uh, annual meeting here and Jim Cook, uh, John Mallett, Rob Todd, and, and those kinds kinds of guys. We brought him to that brewery and he was so freaked out, um, but they were so impressed uh, with both the food and, and, and the beers. Um, he's kind of a quiet guy, but I'm going to give him a shout because uh, uh, he deserves it. So there are there are those little gems uh, out there. Uh, you just have to uh, well call me or or, or find it. Um, we have everything that a lot of bigger cities have, but just it just spread out by a few 10, 20 miles sometimes. Yeah, um, those can be expensive Ubers, but as you point out, uh, it's more expensive on the other end and and certainly more responsible. But they're going to show a cactus during the bumpers, and yeah, you can see cactus. <laughs> Actually, the city of Phoenix got in trouble because they they colorized a, fit, a photo of downtown and make it look a little more green. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's. Uh... <laughs> we're we're kind of uh, we're coming off some rain though. It is actually pretty lush. The desert is very lush. Um, Brian, it's a similar question to you though. If uh, you know people are thinking like, oh, I want to uh, uh, see what it's like to try to climb a, a greased. Uh, lamp post, uh, uh-huh. and I want to go visit Philly. I'm not going to give you guys any inches. All right, it's, it's no, you it's, know what that that was on my bingo card as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tick them all. I'm gonna absolutely tick them all. I, I'm nothing if not a cliche uh, <laughs> and predictable. Um, but if people want to go and visit uh, your fair city, um, you know, and they're obviously going to do uh, you know all of the the the, the Liberty Bell and um, uh, all of the historical uh, aspects of it, but um, if they want to see the city for real uh, in the way that you know it, right. what would you suggest two or three things that people do to get a true Philly experience? And I'm going to ask about food after this, so you don't have to get into food just yet. Okay. All right. Um, and I will start by saying, speaking of uh, geography or topography or however you want to say it, uh, listening to Rob talk about being sprawling and a, and a, a similar size to, to Philadelphia, we're both in that like 1.5, 1.6 million population. Um, I did a little homework ahead of time too. And knowing Phoenix sprawls more than Philadelphia does, I didn't realize, is it something like a factor of four times uh, the square mileage that Phoenix is compared to Philadelphia, something like that. So um, we pack about the same amount of people into a uh, in, into a, uh, a much tighter area. That's why everybody's uh, so angry. Yeah, well, <laughs> never know. Could be. Although I, I, I could never, have, I could never do the beer festivals that you guys do on the East Coast because you guys are packed too tight. <laughs> Although I did do the calculation on Boston, and they're packed even tighter. So 
back to my comment from earlier. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, but that being said, uh, during the pandemic, one of my favorite things to do was uh, take the train in from the uh, western suburbs where I live and and then simply walk the city. Uh, could have been five miles up to 10, 12, 15 miles, uh, making stops along the way wherever uh, in a, a bar, restaurant, brewery was open and serving outside. You know, it was the it was the grand old days of you know being allowed to uh, uh, walk around with open containers in public. You know, to help keep these establishments alive. But uh, to the, uh, continuing on with the theme of being uh, a walkable city, Philadelphia is uh, extraordinarily uh, walkable. Uh, from when you're downtown, especially from river to river, if you were to get off at the train station, uh, 30th Street station over on the Schuylkill River. You can walk a couple miles across town uh, to the Delaware River, to the Jersey border, and and cross through all types of neighborhoods along the way. Um, uh, relative, you know, I have to say relatively, I guess, safe. You know, it's uh, you have to watch wherever you are nowadays, of course. But uh, you, I, I would easily um, recommend walking the city from river to river, stopping along the way. You'll find a brewery. You'll find a high quality beer bar. You'll find a good restaurant. Uh, a BYO, uh, grab a bottle from the local bottle shop and sit outside uh, cafe. Uh, since you'll ask about food later, I mentioned yeah. Reading Terminal Market, which is right above the train station, but we can go into a little bit more detail on that later. Great food. There's a great beer bar inside of the train station. So uh, there's also a great roast pork sandwich uh, at Denix there. That, uh, that's that is. Day. That's all that my is, to share with you as well. Oh yeah, no, that is that that's a, that's a sandwich to jump on the Amtrak for. Um, Danner, I I'm embarrassed to say I've never been to Kansas City. And you should be embarrassed. I <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on my list of things to be embarrassed about, I mean, it's it's pretty high up there, and it's a pretty Top long ten. list. <laughs> um, so you know, while I have. Uh, understandings of the the greater Phoenix area and certainly um, Philly. I'm I'm going into this question blind and and you know really curious. And you are Mr. Kansas City based on your social media. Uh, there is there is no bigger homer, and I mean that in the, in, in in the best possible way uh, that I've ever met for a city than you and Kansas City. And so, if folks want to go and visit and get the true Casey experience. What do you suggest they do? Well, I think um, I would I would say if you're gonna if you're gonna stay in the city, stay you know downtown Crossroads area. You could easily stay out in the suburbs or, or near the airport, but that's gonna put you so far from the city center. I mean, the airport from my house, I'm maybe you know 15 minutes south of downtown, but the airport is every bit of 40 minutes uh, 40 minute drive from my house, so it's it's pretty far up there. But I think things you have to hit when you come to say, uh, Kansas City. I always mention uh, the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art. We have an amazing uh, collection of paintings and, and artifacts um, that, that it's free to visit every day. It truly is just a gem of the Midwest. And then we also have uh, the Negro League Baseball Museum here. And uh, Bob Kendrick and um, Kiana Sinks are uh, sort of the faces of that. And they recently campaigned and got uh, Buck O'Neill uh, rightfully elected to the Hall of Fame. You know, in Kansas City, we've known he was a Hall of Famer for a long time, but now it's official. Um, those are two spots you have to hit. And when you're down at the, the Negro League Baseball Museum, you're right there next to the Jazz Museum in the 18th and Vine District. Um, you know, you said we'll wait on the food, but obviously tons of barbecue everywhere. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just a, it's a beautiful city that we are really investing a lot in downtown. Uh, we have a streetcar that runs from 
uh, the Union Station area all the way down to the River Market, and they're in the process of expanding that. So you can get on that, and it's free to ride, and you know, hop off every few stops and find uh, cool places to check out and areas to explore. And really, I think one of, and this is what I do when I travel is I find myself at a bar, and I, I talk to the folks from that city, Weird. and well, yeah. We are um, <laughs> we are ridiculously nice here. It, it's weird. I, when I worked for Boulevard, I remember years ago we hosted a bunch of folks who were in from uh, from the the stone distribution arm in Southern California, and they were like, "People are are uh, like like serial killer nice here." And I'm like, "Well, that doesn't yeah. really make sense because serial killers aren't nice." But they're like, "No, like last night we went out to eat, and the bartender asked how we were doing, and he stopped to listen to the answer." And I'm like, "That's because he cares, man." And you know, people will tell you like, hey, if, if you don't know where you're going, check this spot out. And I think people here are just so real. And there are a lot of people um, in, in the city who are like me, who are just on fire for, for making sure people have a great experience when they come here. Brian, does that sound unsettling to you that people are friendly in the city? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I because I would say almost the exact same thing. Um, uh, about sitting down at a bar in Philadelphia, it's it's hard not to talk to somebody uh, in Philadelphia, and it's hard not to get genuine responses. And I'm saying that without snark or with <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's uh, no. I, I I like that answer, and I and I feel the same way uh, traversing Philadelphia, even when I don't know people. It's very easy to uh, to to strike up conversation. I, I had the I had the I was going to ask Rob, yeah. I had the gif of Jeremy Danner clapping in his Royals uniform the entire time until he talked about serial killers and it went a different direction. Yeah. And we My do bad. have a couple of them in Philly as well in our uh, history. Uh, <laughs> well, as we're being honest here, I think, I think people leave LA and they get here and they can't find the means to get anywhere else. So we got a lot of transplants. I, I find it. I, I always enjoy visiting other cities and especially uh, out in the Midwest. Um, because I do feel like hopefully you're going to find polite people no matter where you are and people who are eager to help out. But I do feel like the Midwest has always been uh, that much more. Uh, I, I remember when I first moved to Indianapolis uh, from New Jersey and having that same experience that the stone distribution people had where people you know, would say, well, how are you today? And then actually wait for an answer and listen <laughs> to the answer as opposed to just like, you know, hey, how you doing? Like, and then. I'm not actually waiting on an answer. That's just how I'm greeting you kind of thing. So um, I, I, I like that. Uh, this is at some point during the week, uh, there's going to be breathless television coverage about the ultimate spread at your, at your home watching party. And uh, they're, they're going to talk about the foods that you can make at home to have uh, uh, to, to represent the, the two teams and, and, and hopefully the city where it's being played. Um, I, I'm not expecting anybody listening to this to, to actually go and uh, do full spreads, but um, <laughs> what are, you know, I, I mean, I'm just going to get some frozen stuff and put it in the air fryer, but um, what are the foods that define your city, uh, your region, Rob Fulmer? <laughs> well, we're as, we're as uh, broken up about those kinds of things as uh, our topography here, I think. Um, we are we are a uh, hospitality city. We are a tourism state. We have lots of uh, um, very high-end uh, resorts here, uh, many chefs, including uh, uh, Chris Bianco, um, Pizzeria Bianco. We've got a couple other James Beard Award winners. 
but but when it comes down to it, um, we, we have uh, we cater to a lot of people from other parts of the country. So we do have you know a strong uh, contingent of Californians. We have uh, Wisconsinites, uh, people from Illinois. Uh, um, so we have a lot of different things. Do we do them exceedingly well? Not as well as we do things like Sonoran hot dogs, uh, tacos. Uh, we I, what is a Sonoran hot dog? A Sonoran hot dog. Should I know this? I, I uh, yeah, I you should. This. You should. And 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 there, it's uh, it's it's simple, but it's it can be sublime when everything is pulled together the right way. Um, it is a hot dog, a, a generally high quality a hot dog. It's put in a uh, bolillo, uh, which is a hot dog bun, but it's got a little bit more crust to it, uh, and it's split down the top. Okay. And uh, the hot dog is wrapped in bacon. And then it's dressed like a taco. So you've got beans, you've got uh, you've got chili de arbol, which is this sort of green hot sauce with, with uh, uh, you, you have some um, other sauces in there. But it, it is dressed like a, a taco. And and um, if you go to a, a brick and mortar place, it's going to be a steamed bun. If you're uh, hitting up a cart, it's going to be toasted. And and you can tell the difference. And some people prefer one over the other. Which do so, you prefer? I prefer the I prefer the the grilled because that means I'm standing at a cart and I I'm either on my way to have some more fun or I just got done having some fun. Um, I, 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 I to sit down in a in a restaurant to eat a uh, Sonora hot dog means I'm just do- going there to eat. I guess that's the distinction I draw. I, I do like the toastiness of it, um, but uh, you know, so it, it's it's challenge sometimes finding a stand that's open on on a particular day, but they they go late into the night and. Those are the things I would recommend. We of course have uh, we've, we've got high end uh, uh, sushi. Believe it or not, uh, most of our sushi <laughs> is is pretty fresh because it has to be piloted here. It can't be you know say. on trucks. <laughs> so we we have um, you know we have everything that any other city has. I, I would say, but like I said, you just have to you have to find it. Dinner's barbecue. Where you're going with this question? You know, we're having some friends over and um, we're, we're going to make a pot of chili. And Are you just going to be watching MLB classics all day? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the Dominican Winter <laughs> League baseball is Super Bowl party ever. I know. This is weird. Um, <laughs> all he's showing his old Royals games from 87. Yeah. I've been I've been to a playoff uh, party for every game so far, and I cannot name a single big play that's occurred. Um, <laughs> I've, I've had fun because I like yeah. food and beer and my friends. But, yeah, we're going to make chili. Uh, and and our one of our friends makes these amazing cinnamon rolls, and we're going to put this the, the cinnamon roll in the chili is what we're going to do. That's some Midwest stuff for sure. But I mean, like if you're going to go barbecue, I think Kansas City has like two distinct schools of barbecue. There's old school classic stuff, Arthur Gates, um, Bryant's, Jack Stack, and then we have uh, some some new school barbecue. There's a spot called Chef Jay that's doing some really awesome gourmet barbecue, which is I I don't fully understand what that is. Um, there's a restaurant called Buck Tui and they do um, Thai style barbecue and, and Buck Tui uh, literally translates to fat boy. And that's, uh, that's Teddy, the, the owner and chef's name. It's like, you can, you can have a really cool barbecue experience. Um, but th- there's so much good barbecue that, you know, if, if you were to take my least favorite place in Kansas city, it'd probably be the best barbecue joint in Philly. Shade throne. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, all right. Wait, you know what? You yeah, took it there it. And, and you want to go, uh, you want to go baseball one more time? No, okay. to say Royals okay. one more time. I'll bring up 1980. 
Oh, okay. Oh, that's, wow. Yeah. I, I would just like to say that we have baseball and football and hockey teams. But we're not talking about them because we don't want to talk about them. Well, unless you want to throw New York under the bus, we can go back to 01 and your Diamondbacks, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. That, that's a, that, was a, that was a good series. That was a good series. Yeah. It was a great um, series. I, I want to talk about feeling just a second, but, but Dan, it just, I, 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 you hear about Kansas City barbecue and is there, a you named all these different spots in the different different types but is there a unifying method that qualifies as kc barbecue or has it really just morphed into barbecue that is made in kansas city i mean i think if you look at like kansas city and, and st louis barbecue are are quite similar i think if you look at the sauce it's typically um a little bit sweeter um molasses you know tomato based sauce as opposed to like uh, like a mustard or vinegar sauce that you get in, in Carolina. Carolina but we have, yeah. Yeah. But we have spots opening up that are doing like, like I said, the, the Thai style barbecue. Um, there's another one opening up that has like a, another fusion spin to it. And I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's interesting to see because nobody's asking, are there too many barbecue joints in Kansas City? Because there's not, but it's, it's fun to see people open up and be focused on this type of barbecue in the same way that, you know, 15 years later, after I started working in beer in Kansas city, you're seeing breweries open up that, okay, we specialize in lagers or we make, you know, really good hazy IPAs. So you're seeing this focus now versus just like, oh, we're just going to open a barbecue restaurant and hope for the best. You know, you have to have something interesting or unique. Otherwise it's tough to justify, you know, why, why would I take the risk of going there when I know that these spots are always going to be super solid every time. So Brian, I mentioned Denix before, and I know a lot of people are going to want to talk about uh, Philly cheesesteaks and everything. But the roast pork sandwich is the superior sandwich in your in your fair city, isn't it? Absolutely. And now saying cheesesteaks, you're only one block away from getting bingo. Yes. <laughs> I won't tell you what your other uh, choices are, but I, I, I have faith that you will hit you will hit bingo. Maybe uh, I'm not doing any of this on purpose. I'm just, no, I yeah. know, I know it's uh, it, it sets up perfectly though. Um, I'm going to try to wrap a lot into this one because yeah, the, the roast book, I, I nothing against cheesesteaks. I was, you know, raised on them all my life. They've been around. There are some very good ones out there. There's a lot of marginal ones, but somewhere in the early to mid nineties. And I'm almost certain it was at Tony loops down near the stadium complex. I was introduced to the, uh, roast pork sandwich and you know the depth of flavor in there because what it is is I, I believe the the cut is the pork shoulder with aged provolone typically with broccoli rob typically on a long roll and I prefer the seeded long rolls and if you like an extra little kick which a lot of people do uh, the long hot peppers laid in there as well it just makes for a absolutely you know, flavorful, flavor deep uh, sandwich. I've always been partial to the broccoli rob. Yeah, yeah. I think some people may put spinach on it. I can't recall that exactly, but some other type of green. But yeah, the broccoli rob has a distinctive flavor to it, which yeah, just makes it so much more complex than the yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned Denix. Uh, they are there in the Reading Terminal Market. The hundred, they go back to the late eighteen hundreds, so they're well over a hundred years old. Um, you know, great place for sampling. Well, not just sampling, but, you know, eating foods from uh, growers and, and producers uh, from the Amish and Mennonite community out in Lancaster County or from uh, city-based uh, uh, restaurants and retailers. 
but then all across South Philly, you can find you know, places uh, and they're showing up on menus of you know, higher end restaurants and your average you know, corner pubs, but you'll find legendary places like John's and Nick's in South Philly. I mentioned Tony Luke's, uh, but a way to wrap a brewery into this as well is uh, in South Philly across from Dock Street, one of the um, oldest and longest surviving uh, craft brewers in Philadelphia is a place called Porco's, which oh yeah, have, oh you've heard of it, yeah, it does amazing things with. God, I haven't been there in years. Yeah, okay. And they they have a uh, they have a roast pork sandwich and and Cubanos and uh, 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 porchetta sandwiches that are just with with pig crackling pork cracklings on there and just amazing job. So you can get a one two punch between a you know good brewery with some history in Philly, as well as a newer, uh, newer sandwich shop that really does well with the roast pork sandwich. See, now I really just want to get on an Amtrak down and just spend the day eating in Philly. Well, you I actually, I do love here. Philly and it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's easy to make fun of your teams and your fans, but like, I, I need a really good sandwich now. Well, you were talking about Super Bowl spreads and yeah. for our neighborhood, I will, Almost certainly, weather permitting, bust out the pizza oven in the backyard. Um, and a few months ago, I had, had taken my first attempt at making a roast pork pizza with everything we mentioned, the long hots and the Rob and the provolone on there. And it turned out pretty darn good. I can hear Rob and Danner researching flights right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always hungry. Yeah. Um I just need to do an eating tour uh, in all three of your cities now. I, I really want a Sonoran hot dog and I want barbecue and um, uh, all of this. So uh, to tie it back into beer, um, there are always, you know, uh, most cities uh, have uh, a, a big festival or a small festival or something to uh, entice beer travelers to come and uh, 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 see the city's beer scene. Um Rob, what is it for the Great Air Phoenix? What is an annual gathering or event or tapping or something that you feel yeah, serious sure. beer drinkers should come and, and experience at least once in their lives? I just want you to tie together my discussion of the Mormons and Brian's of the Mennonites and ask Jeremy where that's going. Uh, we we have our uh, we have our twenty third annual Strong Beer Festival coming up uh, this. Uh, well, the 18th, not too long from now. Um, it should be, we might hit 75 degrees. It'll be amazing. Uh, we generally have about 150 breweries, uh, both in-state and out-of-state. Um, it's on 500,000 square feet of, of, of uh, well, dead grass, uh, seasonal. But uh, uh, that, that's, our, that's our baby. And uh, we can get as many as eight 9,000 people uh, together for that. So it it's probably the biggest, one of the biggest uh, in an era when we're not having very big festivals anymore that, that seems to be um, uh, doing okay. Um, that kicks off our beer week too, that statewide thing. So uh, we'll have events for 10 days or so, um, you know, ranging from uh, strictly beer events to things like burlesque shows and uh, um, we have, uh, we have some of the industry people getting together, the, the, the women of the industry getting together for sort of a, a WWE style arm wrestling extravaganza. So, um, we try to have fun. Um, and, 
again, the Strong Beer Festival, which which uh, I brought you out to, John. Um, is, yeah, I was there in early 2020 before the world shut down. Yeah, it was our, it was our last hurrah. That 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 got us through a couple uh, hard times here during the pandemic. So it's super important as a fundraiser for our guild, so that we can continue to. Um, um, protect and promote and grow our, our 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 business conditions here for for breweries and um, that's really been the thing that's propelled us for the last twenty years. Danner, why should uh, what's the big event? What's the the small event? What's the what's the meaningful beer event that people should come to Kansas City for? So coming up in April, we have the uh, the Parkville uh, Microfest, is what it's called. And it's always, uh, it's usually in the third or fourth weekend in April and the weather leading up to the event is always beautiful. And then it's absolute trash the day of the event. Uh, <laughs> it'll be, it'll be sunny and 72 on that Friday and that that Saturday morning, it'll drop to 55 and rain all damn day. But it's amazing because no one cares. You know, they, most people, if they're dressed appropriately, have a great time. Other people if they are not dressed appropriately. They drink until they feel they're dressed appropriately. But that's, that's the big outdoor fest that sort of kicks off the festival season you know, in, in Kansas city coming out of the, the colder months, it's, it was 60 yesterday, but I know like March is going to be cold again. It's like, that's kind of the big one. And then uh Boulevardia taps and tastes is, is a real big one that draws in a lot of breweries from around the country. And I was fortunate enough to be, uh, you know, one of the folks who was involved in the early planning stages of, of that festival. And that takes place in, uh, in crown center uh, again this year. And that'll be June father's day weekend. But that brings in a lot of folks from around the country to uh to check out the city and you know it's more than just a beer fest but um to me those are those are the big two i think i lean more towards parkville just because it's outside you're in the grass um people bring their dogs and i want to see how many dogs i can pet in five hours is, is sort of my goal <laughs> it's a good goal yeah. it's a really good goal um uh, brian is it still philly beer week or is there something else that 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 the city is doing that should be on beer lovers radars well i hope it is i i I hope it's still philly beer week um and and i say that because if i step back a second i have this what do you call melancholy or a bit bittersweet feeling about events because i think you know over the last 20 or so years of craft really gaining momentum and and recognition and respect in the mainstream uh that it's these you know these beer events from small and medium-sized ones to these big uh, beer weeks, you know, Philly beer week being the kind of the first and preeminent, uh, beer week that really spawned, you know, this, I guess, nationwide, right. Um, yeah. Phenomenon of 10 day beer weeks, which I always like to call an Imperial beer week, because it's not just a seven day. Cause you need two weekends to bookend it. Of course. Can't just end on a Friday. Yeah. Um, and and I don't know if this is the same in every market there, you know, definitely was going into the pandemic, a little bit of a tail off in, uh, beer week, uh, attendance or popularity, um, events in general, maybe we're getting a little played out, um, in general again. Um, so coming out of the pandemic now, I really hope I've not heard much, you know, chatter yet in the way of a, 2023 beer week in Philly. Now it is typically the first week of June. So we still have some time, but by now we normally start to hear some chatter. Uh, last year was kind of informally put together, if you want to put it that way, by a handful of bar owners and, and um, 
and, and, and brewery owners and promoted through social media, which had some nice turnout, but I would love to see it get back to kind of more of a grandiose type of uh, 10 day of educational and crazy antics and everything in between. Um, we used to have a thing too that has gone on pause for a few years called the Craft Beer Express, which would be held in the spring and fall. Uh, and a dozen or so beer bars around the city would get hooked up by a couple school buses that were on the circuit between all of them throughout the day. And each, each bar had a different themed uh, event going on. So it, those types of things I'd like to see come back. And I, and I hope that we're all, uh, pun sort of intended, thirsty for uh, that type of environment again. Uh, the one we did just have, uh, what was it, a month or so ago, two months ago, uh, was Yards's uh, annual real ale festival. Okay. Really happy to see how well attended it was um, in their new location. If you haven't been to Philly in a while, to Yards, that's a, that's a massive space. Yeah, a new massive space, hundred barrel brew house. Yeah, it's wow. seventy thousand square feet, I think, if I recall correctly. Large yeah. space, but they spread the they spread the firkins out throughout the brewery. They had, I think, about fifty five or sixty firkins, uh, well attended by industry uh, folk as well as as well as uh, consumers as well. So yeah, that has continued on. That's a, I, I think a significant event that's worth seeking out for sure. Um, yeah, there's, there's all jokes aside. There's a lot of great reasons to go visit Philly and drink beer. And you know, even if it's just going to monks, uh, I think is, 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 is a good enough reason. Um, being mindful of time and knowing that you all have parties to, to get ready for this week. Um, I want to ask each of you the green door question. Uh, Dan, you've been on this show before, uh, but that was before I actually asked, uh, started asking this question. So the premise is at the beginning of the pandemic, my wife and I rewatched The Good Place, the, the television show. And in the fourth season, they introduce the concept of a green door. You know, you can walk through it and be anywhere um, with whoever you want doing whatever you want. And so if we had a green door on our plane of existence and this conversation ended and you could walk through it and be at any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with? And what would you like to be drinking? And Rob, I imagine you have an answer loaded up for this. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Oh, you're asking me first. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought yeah. you were talking. <laughs> no, I know you've heard this show before. I don't know if the I other have. guys listen uh, yeah. to it. So that, that's why I was giving, you know, giving you um, the chance. You, you know, uh, uh, first of all, I, I heard you ask this question of, of, of um, Moonlight, uh, Brian. And from the Bay Brian Area. Brian, Moonlight, yeah. I can't, from, being from the Bay Area, I can't even believe that no one mentioned the obvious behind the green door joke, but I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I know that because I'm not from the, the Bay area. What is the, what is uh, the obvious joke? It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, one of the earliest porn movies in the seventies that came out. Good job, John. Somebody, no, somebody <laughs> brought this up to me recently. Somebody, somebody sent me an instant message recently uh, or a Facebook messenger uh, saying that they think of that every time I ask this question and I, I had forgotten it until just right now. <laughs> but is that something that the Bay Area, like, that, do you that, get that's that where the freshman year of high school? I don't understand. Uh, that's just the, that, that's, that's where the, 
was it shot there? That scene started in in uh, the seventies, either New York or Bay Area, both. Okay, I'm not a I'm not a porn historian, but there you go. <laughs> Your next. Uh, <laughs> okay, all right, you've stalled long enough. I I, I know. <laughs> I just I completely nuked the question. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah, I have thought about it a little bit, and um, I. Uh, uh, my grandfather uh, used to be a uh, Manhattan drinker and uh, being from Wisconsin, he didn't prefer the the way uh, you would make an old fashioned in Wisconsin or, uh, or Manhattan. It, Wisconsin, that, that drink is primarily made with brandy instead of whiskey. So yeah. And sugar, so, like sugar cubes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm the idiot out here that, that grew up listening to him to order that a million times. So I'm the idiot out here going whiskey Manhattan, you know, like it sounds really <laughs> redundant. Um, but I, I never really had uh, I never really had a drink with him, and certainly not in the in the context of being in this job and um, and sort of wanting to discuss, you know, his relationship to alcohol and and because uh, he he was just a one drink guy a day, you know. Um, and that was it. Uh, my father, uh, you know, used to do talk about touring the Pearl Brewery uh, when he was stationed down there and how they would take the tour. But, um, you know, in my recollection, he really didn't really drink and he's definitely not drinking now. So I would probably want to take him uh, to uh, any number of bars. But for some reason, taking us all out of uh, out of their element, not going anywhere in the United States, maybe going to something like Mort Sabit and um, just kind of seeing where that goes and, and just discuss what I love about this industry and about the products we make and the people that we meet along the way and, and see where that goes. I like it. So, Brian, you walk through a green door. You're in any pub, any brewery, anywhere in the world. Where are you going? Who are you drinking with? And what are you drinking? Yeah, I, I think I, I was going to say I hate to sound redundant, but I I love the sentimental angle of it. I was going to dork out, you know, do a beer dork type of thing, but uh, at the risk of sounding redundant, um, I'm going to take the sentimental approach too. Um, I'm looking on my desk here at a picture of my father in the Marines on Hawaii, and I never had the opportunity to drink with him as an adult, a legal age drinking adult, and. Uh, uh, I'd love to just have a Miller High Life with him. To the best of my recollection, that was uh, that was on pictures on the, pic the picnic tables uh, when I was a kid. I remember serving him a Miller High Life from the fridge. So I'd like to uh, watch a Super Bowl with him this weekend with a Miller High Life. But also, then when the Eagles win, by the way, just seeing if Jeremy's paying attention. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Uh, <laughs> when, when, when the Eagles win, uh, we'd celebrate, you know, maybe with a lambic or an imperial stout or or something. And I'd love to get his reaction, kind of like Rob was saying, um, kind of get his reaction to, you know, what he makes of, you know, today's beer flavors and uh, and this world that I exist in. Danner. So um, I'm, I'm going to give you two answers. Th this is purely just like a, a business convenience purpose. If there was a green door that I could open and be at four hands where I work without a four hour drive, that would be super cool. <laughs> um, that, that would make my job real easy. But um, there's a, there's a brew pub in uh, 
in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico called Los Muertos. And the beer is fine. You know, um, it's, it's without flaw. It's, it's cold and it's wet. Um, but I, I just, I love that city. That's a place that we'd like to have um, a second home or maybe, maybe a full-time home down the road. So I, I'd love to be there with my wife and my son. And then uh, there's, there's a family that we, we became best friends with them. We moved in next door to them back in like 2009, I think, and just hit it off. And that's kind of become our family here in town. So if I could, if I could be there, you know, drinking whatever with, uh, with Randall and, and my son, Cooper and uh, Don and, and Hillary and Allison, that would be, I'd be set, dude, you know, have a couple of beers and walk down the beach and, and get some oysters and chill out would, would be fantastic for me. I dig it. Well, I want to thank all three of you for being on the show. I hope uh, on Sunday you're eating well and you're drinking well and you're uh, with good company and enjoying enjoying a good time, regardless of of the outcome and 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 how it affects you, if it affects you at all. But um, really, thanks to the three of you for for sharing some insights on your cities and the food and drink and why we should all be going there. And um, I have been researching plane tickets and Amtrak tickets, so um, <laughs> hopefully I'll see you all soon. That yeah, was a lot of fun. Thanks. And I have to leave with a uh, go birds and I spell Eagles for Rob E A G L E S. Cause I'm sure you haven't heard that at all this week yet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brian, what was the last thing that I missed on the bingo card? Uh, you could have gone with um, Rocky. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that was it. I mean, somebody, okay. it, somebody could have picked on the Eagles soft schedule this year. Cause I've heard that a lot. Um, but yeah, Rocky was, I think the big obvious one that nobody mentioned. Yeah, this, the town didn't want that statue, though. Well, that's at the art museum now next to the steps. So. I know, but like, didn't Stallone donate that? And people are like, yeah, we didn't ask for this. <laughs> uh, the art museum didn't care for it at the top of the steps. That's why it's at the bottom of the steps off to the side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh... <laughs> but, you know, there you go. If he hears this, you guys are in trouble. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm used to it. Uh, exactly. All right, guys. Thanks again. Thank, Thank you, John. You. All right. Great talking to you. What are you eating and drinking for the game? Let me know by emailing John Hall. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at allaboutbeard.com. Or you can tell me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. That's also how you can get in touch with questions, comments, and guest suggestions. A reminder, go visit allaboutbeer.com. There you can check out the podcast page, the merch page, and read about great new content as well as the archives going back to 1979. You can also follow All About Beer on social media by simply searching at All About Beer. If you're interested in supporting journalism in the beer space, email us at info at allaboutbeer.com, or you can just help us out individually by going to patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. One more time, All About Beer has a podcast channel now. Search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. As for this show, Nate Schwaber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs>